If you're interested in listening ad-free, go to patreon.com slash the SCP experience. There you can enjoy my ad-free podcast and never have to listen to ads again. That's patreon.com slash the SCP experience. Now time for the story. I walk through the building's doors and look at the emblem that covers the wall behind the desk. It's a circle with three arrows, two pointing up from the left and right sides. The last is pointing down from the top. Each meets just short of the center of the circle. Around the symbol are three words, secure, contain, protect. There's a matching emblem on the left shoulder of my brown uniform. I fall in step behind a group of other men in uniforms the same as my own. Smiling, I nod in greeting to them and am only met with indifference. I mirror them and readjust my expression so it is as devoid and joyless as theirs. Guess I won't be talking to these fellows about the clean sweep the Robins managed to pull off last night. I match my step with theirs, confident and sure, like walking down a familiar path. I slow my pace just a smidge, then break left and scan up and down the halls. This facility looks enormous from the outside, but inside, it somehow seems even bigger. It's probably because of the decor. Besides the mural at the front desk, the rest of the building looks sterile, cleaner than a hospital, with pristine tile floors and matching nondescript doors. What are you doing here? This is a restricted area. I spin on my heel. The man is also in a brown uniform. There's no designation of rank, but there's no question that he's a superior officer. It's written in how he carries himself and the stern echo in his voice. The expression on his face commands respect faster than the sidearm at his hip, an automatic Colt, the same as mine. Sorry, sir, I say, and fire off a quick salute before standing at attention. He frowns and glances over the name on my right breast. Murphy, huh? That's a name I don't know. Yes, sir. I've recently transferred, still learning the lay of the land. His eyes flick over me and dismiss me quicker than he would some gunk on his shoe. Nodding, he gestures for me to follow him. I fall in line beside him, quick enough to see the flicker of his disgruntled frown. Where did you transfer from? Site 12, he nods again. How did you like Anchorage? Didn't get to see much of the city, I smirk. Besides, I'm not a big fan of freezing my balls off. His body stiffens and I realize that I fucked up. Wherever Site 12 is, it must be nowhere near Alaska. Shit. His hand shoots toward his sidearm. Jamming my hand over his before he can draw, I barely have time to brace myself as I slam my forehead into his nose. It takes a moment for my head to clear and I see realization come to the man's face. I thrust my fist into his throat, cutting off his cry for help. Then I ram my forehead into his face again, shattering his already broken nose. The element of surprise is my only advantage. There's no way I could take this guy in a fair fight, so I fight dirty. My hand is throbbing, and I stumble before righting myself and unholstering my gun. As my vision clears once more, I force the barrel into his mouth. He struggles as I squeeze the trigger. The sound is muffled, little more than a loud wet pop as the back of his head explodes, spraying his brains on the wall. It's still louder than I want, I don't hear any cries of alarms or sirens, but that doesn't mean there's not someone on the way. If this is a restricted area, 
How long until some other guard stumbles upon me? Shit. I wrap my hands under his armpits and drag him down the hall, trying not to get any blood on my clothes, which is harder to do than it sounds. Luckily, it's not the first bloody corpse I've had to hide. Stopping at one of the doors, I pull the key from around my neck, and it slides seamlessly into the lock. A sigh of relief escapes me as I see the contents inside. It's a cleaning closet full of mops and brooms. I drag the body inside, step outside, and lock the door behind me. That ought to buy me some time. Barely 10 minutes into the job, and I'm already stowing away dead bodies. I should have asked for more money. Someone's going to notice the blood stain and splatter of brains sooner or later, so I better act fast and slip out as quickly as possible. I reach a hand to my chest and feel the key around my neck. It shouldn't be a problem with this little beauty. I wasn't always a thief. Well, I guess nobody is born one, but for me, it's a very recent development. Until a few years ago, I was just a simple proprietor of a pawn shop. Sure, I worked with thieves now and then, mostly junkies who didn't know the value of what they brought in, but my shop was too small to attract any major players. That all changed after I bought a box of junk from an estate sale. I was disappointed to find that the silverware that had prompted my high bid was only silver plated. Nothing but worthless nickel beneath that. My only other takeaways from the bidding war were a bunch of shitty knickknacks. Among them was one long, bronze, ornate key. They didn't go to anything in the set. That night I found myself at a bar, spending money on cheap booze. I stumbled through my door and passed out until the following day. I woke up with a pounding headache, made only worse by failing to find my apartment key so I could lock up and go to work. But I remembered that I had left it at the office. The only key in my pocket was the one from the estate sale. Curious and confused, I stepped outside and tried the key in my lock. It slid in and turned easily. I turned it the opposite way and heard the door click. After pulling the key out and examining it, I saw that there was no way that should have been the case. The keyhole didn't match the key's notches at all. Yet five more tries, and it locked and unlocked each time. I rushed to my shop, and the key opened it just as quickly as my apartment. The whole day passed in a whirl as I tried it on everything. Anything that could be locked, my key could unlock. This included the new Rolls Royce left unguarded in a parking garage, which I promptly delivered to the nearest chop shop. I was ripped off, but even still, it more than made up for the busted goods from the auction. The key also unlocked a new career for me. You don't need to be an experienced thief when you have something that will open any safe for you. As time passed, I picked up a few new skills, like my willingness to kill. It's not my first choice, but hey, People you don't know die every minute. What's wrong with adding to that figure if it fills your pocket too? I'm not a homicidal maniac. Trust me, I'd much rather do a clean job without a body count. But if it comes down to the death of some random person you never met, well, that's a small price to pay for being rich. Maybe that makes me a heartless bastard, but show me one rich man who isn't. Eventually, my reputation expanded so far that I started only to accept work from the highest bidders. I don't know much about my latest employers, and I don't need to know. My business is word of mouth, and if a past employer referenced me, 
then that means they had the money to afford my services. This is why I'm in a secret facility, shoving dead bodies into cleaning closets and looking for a metal sphere. My clients, men in fancy suits, sitting at a table smoking cigars and drinking cognac, laid the job out for me with as much detail as they could, which really wasn't all that much. They want me to procure some item that looks like a perfectly spherical orb. Other than an address and a security uniform, they couldn't tell me anything about the building's layout or where the orb might be held. Usually, I would pass on a job with such scant information. I might be able to unlock anything, and while I can be formidable when the situation calls for it, I can't take on an army of hired goons. The first half of a million smackaroos in my bank account put most of the trepidations to bed. How hard could it be? I sigh as I hurry and think about the hidden corpse. I should have asked for more money. I walk down a set of stairs and find a row of heavy doors on each side of the hall. Each looks like something from a bank vault with different digits engraved into the metal. My hands trace across one, not even taking in the numbers. If I was going to hide something expensive, it would be behind one of these giant doors. I slide my key through the door and turn the lock. It does its magic, and the lock at the center of the heavy vault spins to the left. I rub my hands together in anticipation, ready to step inside when the foul smell inside slams into my nostrils. The beast inside stands twice as tall as a man. Glowing red eyes light up from its skull and are scattered across the rest of its body. Its shoulders, chest, and knees all stare at me. It strides across the room, clearing the floor with a single step. Its green fur is splashed crimson, and blood drips from the claws of each of its forearms. Its proximity snaps me back into reality. I shove the door forward, hoping to close it, but it's too goddamn slow. The door clangs and swings wide, knocking me off my feet. My back slams into something hard, and I slump against the opposite wall, falling to the floor. I breathe quickly, tasting the creature's scent as it steps through the door. Its eyes blink in unison, and I freeze as it turns toward me. I hold my breath, but it turns away and heads up the stairs. Shortly after, the screams and gunfire echo throughout the building. Climbing to my feet, I exhale slowly. Yeah, definitely should have asked for more money. Another blood-curdling scream rips down from the hall. Oh well. That should keep the security guards busy while I keep looking. I never let an excellent distraction go to waste. With my new beastly friend keeping the boys in brown busy, I take my time deciding on the next vault. I'm clueless about my next selection. The only difference between the vaults are the numbers. I press my ear against a few of the vaults, seeing if I can hear any sounds, but nothing comes through. Or maybe, I just can't hear anything from all the shouts and gunshots. Sighing, I play a game of eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and unlock the next vault. This one opens a little faster than the door before, which surprises me. I mean, if you have an option on how quickly a door closes, wouldn't you want the one housing a giant, multi-eyed monster to shut the fastest? The vault opens into a landing with an expansive room beneath it. There's a handful of people in orange jumpsuits with numbers sprawled on their backs. Besides them, the room is populated by guys in white lab coats and a few security guards in brown. They glance up at me, but only glimpse at my uniform, then return to their business. 
I close the vault behind me, then head down the stairs. It would look more suspicious if I headed back out. Besides, if I listen closely, maybe I'll hear some clue about the artifact I'm looking for. A map would probably be asking for too much. But then again, they must have some way of telling which things are kept where. A flashing light starts on the wall, and the people in orange jumpsuits nearly piss themselves as something rises from the floor. It looks like an empty doorframe, but the power dims with a buzzing sound that raises the hair on my arms. Light erupts from the doorway in a shivering pool of jade. Huh, well, that's something you don't see every day. But then again, what can I expect from an organization that keeps monsters locked up in their basement? Even still, I can't look away from the glistening light. Everyone else must feel the same because nobody moves when the first tentacle flops out of the light and onto the floor. It lashes out like a whip and knocks the head off one of the men in orange. The air fills with blood as the appendage wraps around the decapitated man and reels it back into the portal. It and the corpse vanish before the head hits the ground. The head rolls across my feet when everyone springs into action. A scientist rushes over to the wall and pulls down an alarm. Again, the lights dim, flashing red as more tentacles whip through the door. The people in orange jumpsuits scatter, but two competing sets of tentacles grab a heavyset man. He screams as they snap him in half like a wishbone, each dragging a bloody half back toward the eerie light. Code red! Code red, goddammit! A scientist yelled into his radio. Where the hell is security? A voice breaks through the static on the other end. We got our hands full up here. Something got out of containment and is ripping the site to shreds. Oops. Something wrenches into my shoulder and I jump back, ready to defend myself. Instead of a set of alien tentacles from Mars, it's another man in a white coat. He's flabby and out of shape, but the red in his face and scowl show me he's as much in command as the security guard I popped earlier. What are you waiting for? I feel spit on my face with every word. Your security! Good God, man! Get in there and contain that thing! I follow his pointed finger to the other guards in the room. They've got their sidearms pulled out and are firing wildly. Their bullets bounce off the tentacles. They're only effective on the poor, orange-suited bastards caught at the crossfire. Yeah, I say and shake my head. I don't actually work here. My answer stuns him into silence before his ruddy complexion deepens. He probably thinks I'm joking and is getting ready to read me the riot act. I'm not interested in hearing it, not even if there wasn't a tentacle slithering in our direction. I'm not a killer, but I'm also in no hurry to die. So I shove the scientist as hard as I can. He topples over backwards and falls flat on his ass. The tentacle coils around him like a snake, engulfing his whole body. It tightens around his neck, muffling his screams before a loud pop could be heard and a spray of blood emanated from what used to be his head. Something wraps around my ankle and yanks the ground out from under me. My vision flashes as I taste blood. Swearing, I open my mouth, removing my teeth from my bottom lip. My fingers squeak across the linoleum floor. I'm being dragged across the room. I flip myself on my back with a grunt. A thin tentacle has taken hold and is dragging me toward the portal. I unholster my gun and open fire. Most of my shots go wide and the few that hit their mark bounce harmlessly off the tentacle. I'm lucky I haven't blown a hole in my foot as the light from the doorway grows brighter. Wait, it's a doorway. I reach around my neck and bring out my key, keeping a firm grip on it. 
I stumble to my feet as the fingerless appendage drags me closer. With one hand free, I'm just able to keep my body on this side of reality. I pull my leg back, stretching the tentacle taut, and we play a game of tug of war. Careful not to lose my balance, I thrust my key into the light and turned it right. The light vanishes and the tentacle is severed. It flops on the floor, splashing green fluid everywhere. The room is total chaos. Equipment has been upturned and the few people that weren't missing were crushed, mangled, or shot. It looks like I was the only one to walk away unscathed. You there, treat the wounded. I snap at the nearest person, hoping my voice sounds authoritative. I'm going to get help. Before anyone can think to ask who I am or how I had stopped the portal, I make a mad dash upstairs. I close the door behind me and lock the vault, safely away from the others. I let out a sigh of relief. Safe? A hysterical chuckle rises from the back of my throat. How could anyone be safe here? What kind of place housed monsters and gateways to, to whatever the hell tentacle monsters called home? When my employers pitched the job to me, I got the impression that I was infiltrating some covert government workshop. Now though, I'm not so sure. All this shit is just too strange to be real. I'm sliding the key around my neck again when I think about it. It shouldn't exist either. It breaks all the rules for reality. Was it things like my key that these people searched for? And then just what exactly could this orb thing do? You there, just what do you think you're doing, Agent? My eyes snap up in time to see more men in brown uniforms. Or I think they're brown. The fabric is too bloodstained for me to be sure. Their expressions are tired and haggard, probably from dealing with the mess I unleashed. I see the unfamiliarity flicker across their faces. They don't recognize me, so I dash across to the opposite vault as they reach for their guns. I inserted my key, turned it left, and swung the door open. The vault, thankfully, acts as a shield. Bullets ricochet off the metal with sharp pings. It also protects me from whatever is in the vault. It sounds like gallons of water being emptied into the hall, followed by the sounds of guards screaming. Maybe it was a pool of acid. Maybe it was filled with sharks. Anything seems possible at this point. I don't stick around to find out. I just run to the nearest vault and unlock it. My eyes widen as I step inside. This room is smaller than the others, about the size of a walk-in closet. There's a raised metal platform at the center, and just above it is the orb from the picture. It hangs above its small platform, floating without a sound or any visible means of suspending it. I step forward and examine it closely. Just like the pictures my clients showed me, there's no design or any seams. It's smooth all over. I reach a hand toward it, but hesitate. Maybe it'll grow teeth and bite my arm off. Or maybe it's some source of raw electricity that will fry me where I stand. Anything seems possible at this point. No, calm down, you idiot. I focus on my breathing and let logic catch up with my shock. A million bucks. That's what the clients are willing to pay for this thing. That means that whatever it is, it's worth a lot more than a million dollars. With a payday that big, no one's going to try and miss out on it. If this thing could kill me just by touching it, then there's no way I would ever be able to get it back to them. No one throws that kind of money away on a lark. The logic is sound, but my hand still shakes as I reach out and wrap my hand around the orb. I flinch as it shrinks, but there's no painful sensation accompanying its strange metamorphosis. 
it actually goes cooler within the grip of my hand, matching my body temperature. Lifting it, I test the weight in one hand before dropping it into the other. It's no longer floating and barely weighs a thing. Smiling for the first time since I walked in here, I toss the ball back and forth a couple of times before heading back. I whistle a jaunty tune as I unlock the vault. Mystery men, whoever you are, it's been nice doing business with you, but hopefully I'll never see you. My face collides with a brown wall. Taking a step back, I see that it's actually a mountain of a man in a brown uniform. The other two guards with him are only slightly smaller. His fist looks more intimidating than the gun in his hand. The other guards are more preoccupied with the charred skeletons littering the halls. I guess it's the leftovers from whatever I emptied before. I no longer have a gun or a good explanation for why I'm here with two dead bodies. So, I swing the hand with the orb across the giant's chin. I might as well have hit him with a feather. My hand vibrates from the force of the blow, but big, tall, and gruesome just grins. His smile drops when I swing the orb again, this time between his legs. He might not have had a glass chin, but I've yet to meet any man with a set of brass balls. I spin and run in the opposite direction. Gunfire fills the air, and a piece of the wall explodes beside me. I serpentine up the hallway. If they're going to shoot me, then goddammit, they are going to have to earn it. I see a stairwell to the left and dodge inside, dashing up the stairs and into another bland hall. Exit. The four most beautiful letters in the English language. It's right there at the end of the hall. Rushing forward, I feel the wind whip through my hair and laugh when I try the knob. Locked, but that's never stopped me before, and it's not going to stop me now. I unlock the door, step outside, and immediately get seized by a sense of vertigo. My leg dangles over a chasm plummeting miles below the ground. That shouldn't be possible. I didn't know the layout of the place, but it's only three stories, not a fucking skyscraper. Bracing my hands against the sides of the door, I manage to hang on to dear life without dropping the key or the orb. I look left and right, but the building doesn't exist past the door. Instead, it's a frozen white tundra. The front half of my body freezes and shakes while my rear half sweats. A roar in the sky forces my eyes upward. It has long leathery wings, and when it roars again, flames erupt from its mouth. Circling, it dives toward me. As it grows closer, the scales and talon come into sharp focus. The fanged mouth opens, and its tongue lolls out, dripping saliva that splashes on me like a hot, heavy rain. Something grips me roughly by the neck and flings me back. I don't even mind the shooting pain as I land on my back. I'm just grateful to be away from those teeth. There's a loud slam. My body shakes violently from the cold and the shock. Was that, was that a fucking dragon? I suck in deep breaths and let the warmth of the room wash over me, nulling my shock and clearing my vision. The snow in my hair melts and runs down my eyes so only silhouettes tower above me. The shadows become more distinct and morph into several security guards, six of them, including the guy I beamed in the balls earlier. None of them look happy and each of them has a gun in their hands, all pointed right at me. As I raise my hands, I realize that the orb and the key are gone. They hoist me up to my feet and drag me a short distance. Standing in front of me is a man in a business suit and a bow tie. Studious eyes examine me behind wire-rimmed glasses while the guards frisk me. Clearly, he's the man in charge. Nothing else on him, Director Myers. Good, 
Meyer says. Then he was only able to procure this item. In one hand, he holds the orb, but it's not near as soul-crushing as what dangles from his other hand. The key, my only chance of escape. I dash forward, but get stopped by Gruesome. He shoves his knee into my groin. The force lifts me off the ground, and I stumble on my feet. It feels like the whole weight of my body is pouring out of my testicles as I sink to the ground. Okay. I try, (laughs) cough, then try again. Okay, I guess I deserve that. It looks like the society's up to their tricks again. Myers smiles at me. At least we have one of their agents. Prep him for interrogation. His tone makes interrogation sound an awful lot like torture. Whoa, hold up now. Myers, right? Director Myers, sir? The guard looks like he's ready to obliterate my nuts again. But Myers holds up a hand, bidding him to wait, and the gargoyle complies without hesitation. I'm a thief. Discretion is one of the utmost rules of the trade. But there's one rule that trumps that one, self-preservation. Look, I don't know who or what the society is. I don't even know what this place is. I'm just an independent contractor. I nod toward the orb. They paid me half a mil to steal that thing from you. Keep it, hell, keep my key too. It's magic, opens up anything with a lock. And I'll give you the details of my bank account. You can use it to trace it back to whoever paid me. Magic? Meyer sized up. You are just a moron hired by the society, aren't you? Do you know what this item does? He held up the orb toward me and I frowned. I don't get paid to ask questions. Myers lets go of the orb. It drops just a few inches before hovering of its own volition again. Then he reaches his hand out. Once more, it shrinks into the shape of his palm. He does this again a couple of more times for my benefit. Uh, I scratch my head. You'll have to give me a clue. It looks like all it does is float and shrink. Myers nods. Precisely. I don't get it. How does that make it worth a million bucks? It doesn't, you imbecile. But the damages you've done to this site and our personnel are priceless. His words land like a punch to the face. That's why I was hired. They didn't want me to steal anything. I was just supposed to come in and cause as much mayhem as I could while I looked for something worthless. They weren't looking for a thief, but a hand grenade. And no one comes looking for a grenade after you pull the pin and chuck it at the enemy. No doubt they've already cleared your bank account of any transactions. The paper trail won't be there. The society's methods are almost as thorough as our own. Myers looks down at my key. Still, nothing was stolen, and you've revealed vital flaws in our society. Above all else, though, we have another anomaly to enter into the archives, as well as another volunteer for D-Class. Huh? I blink. What the hell's D-Class? Myers only smiles and nods toward Gruesome. His fist flies so fast I barely see it. There's a thud that I vaguely realize is his knuckles cracking against my skull. My vision blurs as the weight gives out from my knees and I collapse to the floor. In appearance, SCP-5 resembles an ornate key, displaying the characteristics of a typical mass-produced key used in the 1920s. The key was discovered when a civilian used it to infiltrate a high-security facility. SCP-5 seems to have the unique ability to open any forms of locks, be they mechanical or digital, with relative ease. 
the origin of this ability has yet to be determined. While SCP-5 has been shown to be effective in removing almost any form of locking device, further experiments have shown that efforts to disguise the purpose or identity of a lock have proven at least somewhat successful in defeating SCP-5's ability. In approximately 50% of cases where a volunteer was not able to identify a locking device, SCP-5 was not successful in deactivating the device. Due to these results, SCP-5 has been tentatively classified as sentient, and further tests are being run to determine its cognitive abilities.